A permacrisis is both the perception and the reality that we are stumbling from one crisis to another. The G20 called it um, a few weeks ago, cascading crises. And if you think of it, for the last 15 years, we had the global financial crisis, then we had the European debt crisis, then we had the crisis of globalization, then we had, of course, COVID, and then we had the cost of living crises. And the problem with these sequence of crises is that you erode both financial and human resilience, which makes you more vulnerable to the next shock. So I think the reality is that we are more vulnerable to crises. Um, we have found three contributing factors in most of these crises, if not all of them. One is the inability to grow the economy in an inclusive way that is also respectful of the planet. Second is repeated policy mistakes that point to issues of cognitive capture and other failures that can be corrected. And third is the lack of global policy coordination, which means that when we hit with a global crisis, you don't get a global response. So how does Mohammed think we can bring together growth and sustainability? And the exciting thing is that we have an opportunity to revamp our growth models in a way that takes equity and the planet into consideration. Um, there are three major revolutions going on that promise not just higher productivity, but higher productivity consistent with our need to respect our planet. One is technology and what generative AI is doing to that technological revolution. Two is life sciences, where we're seeing significant advantage. And three is the energy transition itself. And when we looked at it, um, in some detail and consulted with experts, it was clear to us that if we exploit these revolutions well, then we have the ability to enhance productivity, enhance growth in a way that is more equity and planet sensitive. Where some see the threats from technology, life sciences and energy transition, Mohammed sees genuine opportunity. These come both with upsides and downside, but the balance is massively in favor of the upside. Um, so one should not deny the upside simply because there are downside. As someone from AI put it the other day, it's 90-10. So absolutely we have to focus on the 10, which is the downside because it's serious, but we should also exploit the 90%. And I think most times in life we are confronted with things that are not completely good. And the key issue is to minimize the risk and to unleash the benefits. And, and we believe that's doable. Um, it will require, of course, not just the private sector to take on social responsibility, but it will also require the government to have a dynamic approach to regulation. He also emphasizes the need to encourage people to be optimistic at such a challenging time. It's very important to encourage people to be optimistic. Um, when we interacted with various audiences, um, we were struck by um, the pessimism, pessimism capture, if you like, that has occurred. Um, and it's understandable because every time we think we've got our head above water, another crisis comes along and puts our head under water again. There's two elements to being hopeful. One is understanding why we've ended up in this situation and two is seeing that there's a set of measures that are both desirable and feasible. And um, that's what we've tried to do in this book. 
Mohammed feels that policymakers and influential figures are listening, but there are still challenges. On the one hand, they share the concern that if we don't do anything about the path we're on, then it will get more and more difficult. It's this notion of a vicious cycle, that one bad outcome increases the probability of a worse outcome after that. It's what economists call path-dependent. Um, so they share that concern. They also share the hope that we can exit. The major pushback is, of course, the politics, where we are divided in so many countries. Um, but the book goes around the world and shows instance of best practices and, and argues that if we simply adopt what other countries are doing, especially in economic management, we can take a step forward. We stress there is no silver bullet, but this is about change in direction. It's about turning a vicious cycle into a virtuous one. And what advice does he have for our alumni, who may well be the ones tackling the crises of the future? So when we met with students, which we have done um, quite a bit on, on this book, our message was one of hope, but one of hope that only gets realized if the people whose future um, is in play take more ownership for it. What brought the three authors together is the simple fact that we're parents and we are all worried about the world we're leaving our children. We're worried that we're leaving them with a world where growth is stagnant, where debt is high, where inequality has worsened, where the climate crisis is facing us in a major way, and that if we don't do something about it, then all these elements will come together in a self-feeding fashion. We also say the good news is that while you're inheriting a very difficult situation, you're inheriting tools that our generation never had. And these are very powerful tools. So the hope is that with these, those tools and with commitments and with understanding of what's going on, um, their, the legacy that they will leave to their children will be better than the legacy we left them. Mohammed Alarian is the president of Queen's College Cambridge and his new book, Permacrisis, A Plan to Fix a Fractured World, is out now. This interview was produced by me, Amy Mollett, for the University of Cambridge. Our interviewer was James Helm. Thanks to Mohamed Alarian and the Queen's College team and the University of Cambridge's Development and Alumni Relations team.